Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit Michter's.com to find out how their taste-is-everything, cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and uh, today we have a, uh, a special guest. This is the first time we've ever had uh, two people on from the same restaurant on our radio show. We had the great Bobby Stuckey, um, and now uh, Carlin Carr's on the uh, on the show today. Carlin uh, runs the wine program at uh, at Frosca along with Bobby, and uh, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. Uh, I should say also very very nice to uh, to meet you. So, uh, I guess I, I've, I've yeah. not yet met. Um, but uh, I'm such a big fan of, of Frosca. I send anyone who is like anywhere near the vicinity of Boulder, I say you like find a way to get there and go to Frosca. I think it's one of the greatest restaurants in the country. Oh, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, we, we work really hard. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about some of your uh, accolades, and, and, and we'll, we'll ask you some questions in a little bit. But we like to start off the show with uh, one of the the best wines that we've had in the past week. So I'll give you a moment okay. to think about the one of the best wines you've had in your last week, and I, uh, I'm going to share uh, share mine. Well, last night I, uh, I participated in a, uh, a, a dinner at the James Beard House with Patrick Capiello, and uh, he asked a few of his uh, uh, sommelier friends, and, and the chef brought a couple of his chef friends, and it was a lot of fun, and we did all... Uh, um, American wines, and there was uh-huh. one awesome wine after another, uh, and and uh, but my best wine of the week was not from last <laughs> wasn't from last night. We, there, the the Hirsch San Andreas Fault was was delicious. There's a Liquid Farm Four that was that was awesome. Um, best wine I had was actually over the weekend at Thomas uh, Pestuzic and Jess Brown's uh, wedding, um, and boy was there a ton of. Uh, a ton of great wine there. And uh, I have to say, at the risk of showing off, there was a Domaine du Jacques three liter Grand Cru <laughs> poured by Jeremy <laughs> Say's uh, uh, Clos Rougeau Grand Cru. So that was uh, pretty, uh, pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, that has to be the best wine I had last week. Have you thought, well, how about you? In, in in the time I've been rambling, have you come up with the uh, best wine you've had of the last week? Yeah. Actually, last night I opened a 2011 Coastery Merceau Perrier. Whoa. And it was it was so good. It's just the finish goes on for days, and it's just so delicious. It's hard to beat Coach. Yeah, so reading about some uh, some interviews um, that that you've done uh, and kind of doing my research on you, I found that you do tend to like some of these really classic wines. I see you mentioned Dovisat Chablis as being uh, one of your favorite wines. Um, Poggio uh-huh. di Soto, I love Poggio di Soto. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, how is it working in a place that has an extensive Friuli? Um, 
uh, bent to the list. I know there are greats from all over the world uh, on on that list as well. But uh, do you share the yeah. love of Friuli with with Bobby? Yeah, for sure. I you know it was a region that before I started working at Frosca, I knew very little about, um, and. After going to Freely with Bobby and Lachlan um, like a year and a half ago, I really fell in love with the region. I think that there's few other regions in Italy that can produce such great textural um, yet mineral-driven white wines. I think the whites from Freely are really, um, really special and, and so variant depending on who's making them and where they're from. Um, there's a great diversity there, and I think that they're really appropriate with the cuisine that we do also. So it makes it pretty easy to to sell freely wine. All right. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree with you on that. Have you had the uh, opportunity to go visit Friuli with Bobby? Yeah, yeah. I went in January of 2013. What was that like? uh, And it was just Bobby and Lachlan and I. It was an awesome. epic trip for me. I really loved it. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about how you uh, how you got into this whole thing. I really relate to your story. Um, when I got offered my first restaurant uh, or my first sommelier job, uh, I had a very limited restaurant experience. Um, it was at, at Babo, and uh, I feel like they really took a chance on me. And, uh, and, and it seems like you have a similar story uh, working at the great uh, Sons and Daughters in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I... I was so lucky to be introduced to, to the owners, Matt and Pete, through mutual friends, and they were naive enough uh, to hire me as the general manager and wine director, even though I'd never worked in a restaurant before. It was, it was terrifying, um, but it went really well, and it was a great, there's a really fast learning curve when um, kind of the pressure is all on, all on you, and, and, um, I had free reign to, to do whatever I wanted, and so it let me really figure out what I love in terms of wine and and do it. And there was no pressure from anyone else. I had probably the best opportunity possible to really get into the wine industry and and um, quickly learn. Yeah, and so what were some of the, the big challenges and, and the lessons that you learned during that time that, that you brought with you to Frosca? Well, I think that really what was so challenging was, like, from a management perspective um, and just trying to create, like, a, a specific dining experience um, from scratch. And I think that, you know, we all know what we like when we go out to other restaurants. And, you like, I went to Bennu and, and seeing how Yoon Ha does, does wine service. They're going to Le Bernardine and seeing how Aldo Sam does wine service. It's, it's just so thrilling and so, like, gentle and perfect. Um, and so I really just tried to kind of expose myself to people that I really loved how they did it um, and figure out how I could um, kind of work that into my own uh, situation and then going going into Frosca, Bobby has such a unique uh, way of of hospitality, um, and so it's been it's been really fun. I've been there for two years, and I really love like how in tuned uh, everyone at Frosca is with the guests, and it's mm-hmm. so about the guests and not not us. And that's been a really interesting experience. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, Bobby definitely nails hospitality. You feel so special. I I sat actually sat in on one of uh, one of your pre shifts and was completely blown away uh, to the the level of of interest and and specificity and, and care about each guest uh, and just the way that Bobby runs a pre shift is I think really inspiring and, and uh, I brought back some of those lessons even uh, even back to our restaurants. It's uh, it's it's pretty awesome to watch him do that. Yeah, it's it's a huge part of our of our restaurant for sure. And how how has it been? Uh, I know Bobby has some other projects going on. Um, his uh, his wine label Scarpetta, which we which we happily serve at uh, I think all of our restaurants. Um, the Pizzeria Locale, which from from what I can tell is doing extremely well. Um, have you mm-hmm. been given a little bit more uh, free reign? And and what what's that like with with Bobby being a I mean, let's say a little bit more occupied. Yeah, well, you know, if Bobby's in town, he is working service at Frosca, and that always goes without question. So he'll be gone for a little bit, but, um, you know, Frosca, for being a small neighborhood restaurant in Boulder, Colorado, is always busy, and it's always full of um, of really excited and somewhat demanding guests in terms of um, in terms of wine service. Mm-hmm. So we are constantly, I mean, if Bobby's out of town, it really doesn't change too much other than just his, his presence in the dining room is pretty special, but we are always kind of, we, we try to be on point all the time. Yeah, and let, let's back it up a little bit. How did you, how did you find uh, Boulder and how did you find Bobby? What attracted you to, to uh, this restaurant? Yeah, well, when I was in San Francisco and, and, like, really trying to figure out kind of what the best what the best places to be a sommelier were, um, I would talk to, like, Raj Parr and um, Jesse Becker and just some, like, really good friends that I made there. Everyone was always referencing Frosca, and so this idea of Frosca was always in my head. Uh, and when I kind of decided that I wanted to, to move on from Sons and Daughters and I heard that Frosca was was looking for someone, I jumped at the opportunity and I just I was so excited to be part of something that had kind of produced so many great sommeliers, Dustin Wilson, Grant Reynolds, like great people. Um, it was hard not to want to be a part of that. So um, yeah, just through the, the wine grapevine is how I, I got Kind of familiar with Frosca. Yeah, and it, and uh, a couple master sommeliers came through Frosca, and quite a few through through Colorado. You've you kind of stated uh, in a couple of interviews I've seen that that it is a a clear goal for you that this is something you 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 very much want to do, and you're you're focused and determined to complete that. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. I think that I think that. It's just really great to have a goal and to to be focused on constantly learning about wine. You know, even people like the wine director of Frosca, Matthew Mather, who um, is not a master sommelier, but pretty much has trained numerous master sommeliers, um, it has such a thirst and a yearning for knowledge. And I think that that and that aspect of of the the MS program is, is really appealing. I think it's so easy as a sommelier to kind of get comfortable with what you love and um, focus on just what you love, really. Um, and so I think that forcing yourself to expand your horizons and learn 
about other wine regions is really important. And so I think that's what really is appealing about the MS program to me. Well, let's let's give it for instance. So uh, what are some of those wine regions that you didn't know you'd be interested in and you've uh, you've you've learned because you've kind of been forced to but but now you're like huh that they actually make some pretty pretty cool wines well I've recently been kind of really interested in Australia um, we recently had a, a wine dinner with Ronnie Sanders who imports a lot of great Australian stuff and um, just tasting wines from Australia that totally uh, were the opposite of what I was expecting and what uh, I would definitely think was old world classic, like great Syrah and great um, Rhone varietals was really thrilling. So I think that's pretty interesting and and definitely has piqued my interest. Um, But, you know, I'll always at the end of the day kind of like go back to the, the regions that I love so much, Piedmont and Burgundy. Mm hmm and uh, how much of your time is actually devoted to to studying? How do you? How, what what is a what's a day in the life of Carl and Carl like? <laughs> Not enough is <laughs> the definite answer for that. Um, I try to do an hour a day, but that's a stretch. Um, and I think that the great thing about working at Frosca is that if I wanted to just talk about a wine region, like during service with Bobby or Matthew. Mm-hmm. I have these two um, incredible teachers that have been sommeliers for 20 years who can pretty much tell me everything about a wine region and, and have tasted all the wines and can tell me about old vintages and and um, kind of like test questions they experienced over the last 20 years. So that's a great resource, and I feel like even if I'm not technically studying i'm constantly learning there um and so it's it's a great environment to be in while studying great uh i I could totally see that that cellar is uh, absolutely special you have a a lot of incredible experience there um all right so what i'd like to do is for us to take a quick break um when we come back we're going to do uh a a a super geeky fact so think about something geeky that maybe you learned on your trip to friuli and uh, we're going to share that uh, when, we, uh, when we get back. So we'll take a quick break. Okay. Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's master distiller says it's just right. Michter's cost be damned, taste is everything attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said, it's amazing. 
and the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit Michter's.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's. And we're back with Carlin Carr, sommelier at Frasca Food and Wine. Definitely one of the uh, future stars of this industry. Um, I forgot to do this at the top of the hour, but uh, um, in 2013, she's named one of Wine Spirit's best new sommeliers. Uh, and as we spoke about before, was a GM and wine director at Sons and Daughters, a really acclaimed restaurant in uh, in San Francisco. Uh Nominated for uh, 2014 Eater Young Guns, the only one representing Colorado. Um, that that's pretty cool. And uh, past the advanced, uh, I, that's surprising considering all the the talented people uh, in Colorado. And then you pass the advanced uh, Somalia exam given by the Court of Master Somalias on your first try. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, well done. Okay, uh, I also wanted to uh, correct something I said at the at the top of the uh, show. Um, there is no Dujac Claude Vougeau. Uh It was Claude de la Roche. Uh, <laughs> I, I I noticed that uh, myself. So thank you. Uh, you probably knew that. Uh, <laughs> thank you for not correcting me. Um, okay, so what is a uh, what is a uh, a fun uh, wine fact you'd like to share with us? Well, about Friuli, you know my the kind of most interesting experience I had in Friuli was definitely vi- visiting Oslavia and uh, visiting the Radicon family. Um, and I've never been, like, a super huge fan of, of macerated wines or orange wines, but what they do there is so amazing, and the landscape and terroir of Oslavia is, is gnarly. We always call it, like, gargoyle land. It's, it's spooky <laughs> up there. Um <laughs> And uh, what Sasha Radikon, which he pretty much, he's the son of Spanko, the founder, he does everything pretty much on his own, and it's amazing. He He's able to do some really fun things, and I really like the wines he's making, um, which are mastered a little bit less, like three weeks versus eight months, which his dad did. Uh, and yeah, so visiting, visiting Radikon was certainly an interesting experience. Yeah, I I also had the pleasure of visiting Radicon, uh thanks to Bobby. Thank you, Bobby Stuckey. <laughs> uh, it's an awesome visit, and Sasha is this, like, gentle giant of a, of a person. Uh, what a sweetheart. Yeah, he's great. And and so how would you characterize Oslavia? Uh, it seems like a, a, a very much a world apart from, let's say, Colio. Yeah, it's right there, but it's the the... The slopes are just much steeper, and it's, like, where Ribola Giallo really thrives, I guess. Um, and it's just really hard landscape to farm and, and to grow. Uh, and pretty much there's, like, nine producers in Oslavia, and they all live on this one road. Um, and they're all just in a world of their own, for sure. They're very – there's, like, the Slavic influence there is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wines are – it's hard to know, like, what the wines would be like if they weren't macerated. So I think that so much it has to do with winemaking there rather than necessarily terroir. Because I can't, it's so hard to compare, like, a Friulano from Oslavia um, with something from the Colio because there's no, the maceration factor is huge. But they're so into their culture. We had, last summer, we had seven producers of macerated Robola Giala at Frosca. <laughs> Um, all, all from Oslavia, and it was like a, a visit from another planet. It was <laughs> very special. 
Wow. They, wait, they all came in and they all did, did seven of the yeah, nine? Yeah, we did groups? like... Jeez. We did a wine dinner. Seven macerated Rebola Giallas. <laughs> Just when you think you haven't you haven't had enough. <laughs> what are, what are the the uh, the ways that you might go about approaching a, a food uh, component of a wine dinner with seven macerated rebola jalas? There's lots of like <laughs> lots of polenta and cotechino and hearty hearty cuisine. Those those wines definitely need food with uh, with structure and substance. Mm-hmm. Um, just channel freely really is what we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of think of Oslavia and then also Carso in a, in a way. There's a, a similarity in that Carso feels very separate uh, from the rest of Friuli. It feels separate from the rest of the world, whereas like Oslavia is really like severe with uh, with the much steeper hills, very rocky soil. Yeah. Carso feels like the Wild West to me. It's like it's super totally. windy, and the, you always you always feel like there's a dust ball and they like go down the the road or something like that. But another yeah. separate, interesting area with a, a small amount of producers making great, great wine. Yeah, farther from civilization, farther from civilization. a little bit. All right, so what I, I want to talk a, a little bit about is the idea of the Tayut, uh, which you guys serve at um, at Frasca, and it's basically a half glass of wine, um, usually something in Friuli people would use to do like a quick cheers and have a little, a quick Tayut of, of uh, Friulano. Is that something that people are really taking advantage of and... Uh, and number one, and then number two, the the idea of of house wine, I think really they kind of nail it up in Friuli, but in in Italy in general, uh, a wine that is inexpensive, you can knock it back, but it's still pretty damn good. And we we kind of just don't have yeah. that here in the states. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think that like what we do at Frosca with the Taiyu by welcoming pretty much every guest with with a little wine is. Um, frankly, just a brilliant hospitality move on behalf of, of Bobby and Laughlin. I think that getting getting people something to drink right off the bat sets you up for success, um, and people love it. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the funny thing is that for Frosca has been open for 10 years, and for the last 10 years, we've poured the same Friulano for the Taiyu wine. It's from Anselmi, like really large production. No one has ever visited Anselmi. It's kind of been this joke. And and recently, Bobby and Lachlan decided that Scarpetta should have a wine that we could use for the Taiyu. So they recently released a Friulano Chardonnay blend called Frico Bianco that we, um, we are now pouring to welcome everyone. But it's interesting that it took took us 10 years to kind of find another wine that was good and, and good enough um, at, a, at an approachable price point. It is really challenging in America to find those kinds of things. Yeah, because you're just you're giving it away. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the only other restaurant that I've, I, as possible. I've ever been to where it's an automatic. Uh, you walk in and you get you get you know alcohol without anyone asking is uh, Vetri down in Philadelphia. They do it with uh, with Prosecco, yeah. and it's just so nice. I mean, it, it starts things off in the right way. I always. Uh, think about when you approach a table. Your first approach is always to ask people for 
for water, your water preference. I mean, that's pretty standard in, in the restaurant industry, but wouldn't it be interesting mm-hmm. if you uh, were first like, you guys are out to celebrate, like what like, what can I get you from the bar? Like, and, and the first yeah. thing that, that comes to the table is, uh, is a drink, is a real drink. Um, I think that, that guests might find that a little presumptuous, but it always seems like I want, like, I'm going to sit down to a restaurant. I want, I want some booze, you know, (laughs) I can have water all day. (laughs) Yeah. Inevitably people go out to, to restaurants to eat and drink and enjoy themselves. So it's, Good to take care of them that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you think? What's what's the what's the future? What happened? When are you taking your 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 MS exam? And then, uh, what are, what are your plans for for getting ready for that? Um, I think I'm hopefully taking it uh, in in February uh, this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. And my plan is just to to keep studying, and uh, you know. You have to take theory now first. They've changed the structure of the exam. You have to pass theory before you can take uh, tasting or service. So uh, I'm just going to focus on theory as much as I can until then, and and hopefully it will go well. You know, at the master's level, you don't expect to pass. So few people pass on their first attempt. So um, I'm just going to, you know, buckle down and, and... give it my best. Um, and outside of that, in the meantime, I'm just going to keep um, working hard at Frosca and, and driving um, growth and and improvement there uh, in terms of the wine program. We've grown, our inventory is like on this really constant um, kind of dramatic increase uh, since I've been there, probably just because Matthew and I have such passion for the wines that we do love, that we can't stop buying them. Um, but so we're, we're figuring out, like, our storage issues in the next year and um, how to keep growing and, and making things better there. Yeah. And what, what regions are you focusing on? Well, you know, we're focusing, I mean, with the recent great but uh, minimal vintages from Burgundy, we're trying to buy as much, like, 2012s as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we like forty percent of our overall inventory is in Nebbiolo, so we're constantly um, trying to buy Nebbiolo. We have to age it for a while, so it's kind of a a way of buying wine where we're looking, you know, four years out, five years out in terms of like how and when we will add things to the wine list. Um, Piedmont's had such great vintages recently as well, so so it makes it easy to. To buy as much as possible. Wow, and you have offsite storage that you you age these at. I mean that that's pretty pretty amazing to be buying wine to age for four or five years and put back on the list. There's really only a small handful of restaurants that that I know of that uh, that do that sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's really a luxury that um, we're so lucky to have, and and that um, thankfully. Bobby, when he opened Frosca, had the foresight to set up like a way of buying wine where we are constantly um, setting aside money every week out of our budget so that we can buy things that won't go on the wine list for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So um, it's great, and it, it, it's nice to be able to actually put things on the wine list when they're ready to drink, not just because it's all you have. So 
Yeah, what what we do is, and and it's it's a ton of work. Is just try to find whatever way it is to find wine that is already ready to drink because we don't have the luxury in our restaurants of having that offsite storage. Yeah. I wish we did, but you know whether it's through auction or or whatever, we we try to find wine that is uh, that is approachable. It's drinking well and. Uh, it's possible, um, but it's yeah. it's it's really nice if you can get the exact wines that you want and and put them away until you feel like they're they're drinking well. So that that's a, a huge luxury yeah. and, and part of the reason that you guys have such a, a deep uh, and and really really well run wine program. Uh, that that's super super exciting. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just my uh, like being naive and, and being young as a sommelier, but I really enjoy most wines in their youth. I love, like, the vibrant um, kind of flamboyant fruit character that you find in, in young wines. Like, young Nebbiolo, I personally have no problem drinking, um, but a lot of guests prefer things with age, so it's nice to have the option. Maybe you're just a masochist. You just love the the tannins yeah. tearing, tearing your palate up. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah, I love the the thrill of young Nebbiolo. <laughs> awesome. And then, uh, what what are you gonna do when you pass the MS? What's do you have? Oh. Have you have you thought about what 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 life is like uh, in those years? Um. No, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> It's good, good to be good uh, to be you know, focused. Getting yeah. there is like everything. So, you know, I think that you never know like what opportunities might kind of present themselves. But at the end of the day, I really I'm not really looking so much as what will happen then or what could happen then because I really do enjoy so much working at Frosca and, and doing what I do. So. I'm happy now, and and I would love to pass the MS and and see what happens. But I'm I'm happy as is. All right. Well, we'll all be rooting for you. Thank you so much. I'll need I'll need all the help I can get. Best, really best of best of luck. Uh, uh, all right. So now that we've had uh, two people on from Frosca, maybe uh, you can find out if maybe some of your servers would like to be on the show. Uh, maybe we'll get some dishwashers on here, some line. Yeah, cook. you should have you should have Matthew for sure. We should have everyone He's from great. Frosca. I love Frosca. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. Carlin. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank I, you. I can see why Bobby says that you're the real deal. You, you are uh, obviously you know your wine and and a super uh, sweet and awesome person. So excited to. Uh, come and visit you at the restaurant. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Joe. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Carlin. Thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.